Well, we are wrapping up our series promises today. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor. And just a reminder, next week we're starting a brand new series called In the Other Shoe, um, and we'd love for you to show up and be a part of that and invite someone. But as we wrap up the series called Promises, Promises, we all know we've had promises made to us, we've had promises broken, and we've probably done the same to other people. And here's what we all know in the midst of that, that we move in the directions of the promises we choose to believe. It's just nature for us that if we believe something and someone's going to come through for us, we're going to move towards that. And we love the stories of someone making a promise and coming through and standing on those promises and being a hero in our lives. But in the same way, when someone makes a promise and does not follow through on it, I mean, it's a little bit heartbreaking. It leaves your soul just a little bit empty. Now, the challenge with that for you and I is we can attribute those promises broken by people to God and wonder, you know, where is God and where is he showing up? And it brings us to this huge question we've talked about, and that's, do I trust God? And if you've ever asked the question, do I trust God, you're in good company because we've all struggled with that along the way. Now, last week, just to give you the bottom line, this is what we learned, and this was a game changer for many of us, and it was simply this, that God cannot love us more or love us less because God loves us regardless. And the promise God has made to you is, I, I just love you. And I love you based on your performance. I, ba- I love you based when you don't perform well as a follower of Jesus. I love you if you don't believe in God. That's what he would say to you. He just loves you. And maybe that is what you need. The challenge that comes along with that is if God loves us so much, and maybe you've asked this question, whether you're a person of faith or not, the challenge that comes along is, God, if you love me so much, how come you didn't do something in the midst of my hard circumstances? And if you've asked that question, just know I have too. But the positive part of that is some of us are tuning in today or coming back to faith because things have gotten difficult. And in the midst of difficulty, you decided, hey, I'm going to lean into God because I've tried everything else. I read the books. I took the medicine. I drank too much. I ate too much. I tried 10 different relationships and they didn't fulfill me. And now, God, I'm going to lean back into who you are. And if that is you, no, that is a really good thing. We're glad to be here today. And isn't it true that it would just be easier if we would be able to say, hey, because I believed in Jesus, because I believed in God, everything just got automatically easier? I know in my life, I've loved the idea of things getting easier. When I was a freshman in college, I lived on an athletic floor in our dormitory. Um, and I remember going to the um, dorm room a couple doors down, and Bubba lived in that dorm room. He was a senior. He was a football player. He's a defensive tackle for our football team. And it was in the day and age when steroids ran wild, and they weren't very well regulated, and people didn't know what they were doing. I mean, poor Bubba had a huge blown-up face and roid rage. And I walked into his room, and he had a needle in his arm. He was shooting up steroids. And he looks at me, and I was a college wrestler, and he knew I needed to lose weight and get stronger at the same time to make weight. And he said, Matt, I can fix you up a concoction that will make you lighter and stronger in a week. It would just be easy. Now, you need to know this. I didn't make a lot of great decisions my freshman year in high school or college, but I knew and I'd heard what steroids did to men and their body, and I didn't want my voice to go up two octaves higher, so I'm like, no way, no how, even though it was easier and it was so appealing. Well, that's the kind of way it is with God when we think, hey, if it would just make everything easier to be a Christian, if it would just make everything simple and perfect to follow Jesus, that would be awesome. Here's the challenge. That doesn't always happen. 
For instance, maybe you decided, I'm gonna step back from some people in my life because as I follow Jesus, they're always pulling me in the other direction. You took a bold move. And not that you don't love them or God doesn't love that group of people or that person. You just knew that they were detrimental to your walk and your faith. And when you did, you found yourself in a lonely place and you're like, God, I thought I was doing the right thing, yet now I feel really, really lonely. Maybe your boyfriend decided, um, listen, these new boundaries you put up and the fact that you're decided to save sexuality for marriage, I'm not comfortable for that like that. And he took off and he left you. And now you're like, I don't even have a relationship. And it's gotten harder, not easier following Jesus. Maybe you confess something to your kids or your wife or your boss. And you thought it'd be instantly easier. Maybe because someone like me said, hey, if you confess, everything gets perfect immediately. But it got messier. Now it's going to get better. And all those things are going to lead to a better life, but it doesn't get easier instantly. And that's where we would just say, God, if we just you know, get a perfect in everything and everything would just be fine all the time, then it would be so much easier to be a follower of you. But here's the challenge for us. Often, often, we move in the direction of the promises God has never made. And partly that's due to people like me that says, hey, God will promise you this and this and this. And we take things out of context and he tells us that we can believe in promises that he made to other people. And that's why we want to talk about these two promises, one from last week that God loves us so much he'll never stop loving us. And what we're going to talk about today that we can hang our hat on. And here's what you needed to go. God never promised that you'd be always healthy, wealthy, and wise. He never made that promise. And when things are going well, it's super easy to trust God. But we want to talk about how do you hang on when things aren't going so well. So I want to talk about a negative promise that we have to face and then a really incredibly positive promise. And the first one is one that Jesus made when he said, in this world, you will have trouble. He sat his guys down. He said, guys, I need you to know this. You're my followers. You're my disciples. But in this world... You're going to have trouble. And you know this. If you've lived at all as a Christian or even not as a Christian, there's trouble in our world. When Jesus said that, I imagine some of the guys around him wanted to pull him aside and said, Jesus, you're you're our vision caster. You're a communicator. You probably shouldn't lead with you're going to have trouble if you follow me. Why don't you lead with, hey, there's a new kingdom and a new rule and there's a whole new thing and you guys got to be part of it. Not trouble. That is no good. And maybe you understand this because you've seen trouble. You've seen sickness in your family. You've seen struggle with your finances. But you've also seen people maybe maintain their faith in the most difficult things that they've ran into in their life. And it got your attention. And again, you, you may have said, listen, I don't know how they got through it. And I'm not sure I could do what they did. But it is impressive that they hang, hung on to the God that they love and that loves them in the middle of it. And Jesus gives us insight today on how to walk through tough, tough times, no matter what they are, and hang on to him at the same time. And so we're going to look at something that John wrote, because John was an eyewitness to Jesus' life, and then he documented it. And this is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John in the New Testament scriptures, what documents Jesus' life. And John writes at the end of Jesus' life, they've had the Passover supper, the Lord's Supper, communion, if you will. Judas is betrayed Jesus, and Jesus is about to lean into a really hard thing, but there's hope in the middle of it. And I just want you to know, if you joined us today and it's a really hard time for you, there's hope in what Jesus is about to say to his followers and to you. So this is what Jesus says. He says, if you love me, 
keep my commands. And remember, the command he'd just given them was a big overriding command of love each other as I've loved you. And he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, someone that's for you, someone that's on your side, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And Jesus rolls out this brand new idea. He not talked much about or at all about God's spirit coming to be with his followers. And not just those 12 guys or 11 guys with anyone that would follow him in the future. And he goes on, he says, the world means people that don't believe. The world cannot accept him. Talking about the very spirit of God. Because it has neither seen him nor knows him, but you, you and I, if we believe, know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. Jesus starts to explain that God's very spirit is going to show up and it's going to be connected to them in a way that they have never seen God in their lives before. And God will be a champion and he'll be a relational God and he will be their advocate. Now, this is what's so interesting. This is even better, Jesus will say in a few moments, than having Jesus there physically. Because when Jesus was was there physically, he limited himself to his physical body. But when the Spirit of God would live with his people and inside his people, he would live with everyone that believed in Christ and he would be present forever. And he knew that his followers would need that power and need that relationship to God if they were going to be faithful through the tough things that they were about to face. And he addresses it. He says, I have told you, this. So when their time comes, and their time is the hard times, whether it was a person, whether it was persecution, whether it was Rome, whether it was religious leaders, it's coming. It's a promise. You remember that I warned you about them. And he goes on. He says, I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, which makes sense. Hey, I was with you guys. And so when we faced hard times, I was right there in the middle of it. Remember the miracles and the power that I displayed? You didn't need to handle it because I just always knew what to do. But I'm about to leave you. And I'm going to send one to be with you. And remember, not just with these 11 guys, but with you and I as we follow God with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And then he goes on. He says, none of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. And of course they felt that way. They weren't worried about where Jesus was going. They were just all consumed with he's leaving. And he's done all these things. He's protected them. He's cared for them. He's made a way for them. But now he's leaving. They, they don't care where he's going. They just care about, hey, what about us? How are we going to get through this? And Jesus knew their hearts and knew their minds, but he also knew that his heavenly father had an answer to that. And that was the very spirit of God coming to live with them forever. And he goes on, he says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your your good that I am going away. It will be better when I'm gone because God will be with you individually wherever you go, anywhere in the world for the rest of your lives. Now this is a really big deal because Jesus would put the future of the church in their hands, in the hands of people like Peter and John and James and eventually the Apostle Paul. And they weren't gonna be able to muster up the courage to do this, they weren't gonna be able to figure this out all of themselves. We are here be in this church exists today Because the Holy Spirit, God's very spirit, lived in his early leaders of his church. And he goes on, unless unless I go away, the advocate, the one that's for you, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
You see, Jesus just knew what was ahead of him. And he loved those guys, but he also knew about them what he knows about me, that I'm not strong enough to live my life in the right direction all on my own. And the implication here is that when God's spirit would live inside us, it would bring power and it would bring authority. That simply means there are days that you're going to wake up and you're going to go, I'm not sure I can live one more day for my heavenly father. I'm not sure I can hang on to my faith. I'm not sure I can be good to my wife or love my children or read the scriptures because sometimes I just don't understand them. And Jesus would look at you and he would smile. That is true by yourself. But with me and my spirit living in you, I can open your eyes and help you do things that you never thought you could do, which means there's hope for us. There's a future for us. And listen, if you're tuning in today and you're like, listen, I don't even believe in God, much less Jesus, it's still an invitation to you that you can have that very same relationship to the God of the universe by trusting Jesus with your life and have his spirit live in you for the rest of your life. It's an amazing thing. Jesus says to his followers, he says, I have much more to say to you, and I'm sure he did, more than you can bear. And you know this, they can only tolerate so much. It's like when you're trying to give your 13-year-old daughter too much information, and it looks like she's going to explode, or your 15-year-old son one more direction on how to mow the lawn, and you just can't get it right. This is all you guys could take up to this point. But when he, talking about the Holy Spirit that would live in them, the spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak, I love this, on his own. He will speak only what he hears from the Father and from Jesus. And he will tell you what is yet to come. I mean, this is this idea that God's spirit that lives in us as followers of Jesus can give us understanding to things that we don't understand. It doesn't mean like tomorrow you wake up and you're like Einstein but it means as you pay attention and you listen and you ask him to guide you through things, he speaks to your soul. And when you see rightly, you can say, well, that's God's spirit moving in me. When you find wisdom that you never thought you would have, that, that's God speaking into your hearts. And what I love most about this is I think for me, God's spirit reminds me of Jesus often. I mean, there are days that I wake up and I'm just thundering through my day and I'm handling problems and I'm worn out and I'm tired. I'm trying to figure out how to be a good dad. And how's the sun going to come up tomorrow? And when are we going to get back into church and the corona and all the stuff we're facing? And then I'll hear that voice in the back of my brain. It's not like an audible voice, but it's just that voice that says, hey, you know, Jesus still loves you. God still gave his life for you. You're still a child of God, like the song that we sang today. And I think, I didn't conjure that up. That didn't come from me. That's God just simply reminding me of who I am to him and who he says I am. And he doesn't say that to me because I'm a pastor with a microphone on a stage. He says that to me simply because I'm his child. And he says it to you simply because you're his child. And this is how we don't lose hope. This is how we hang on to sacred things. This is how we get pointed in the direction of truth. You may not remember this, but years ago when we first got directional devices in our cars, they were Garmin's. They weren't our phones, they were Garmin's that you slapped up on your windshield and they told you where to go. Well, because I am such a lousy directional person, when I got my first Garmin, I was saved from a lot of misery. 
But I, I told my garment to speak in an English female voice, and so the English female voice, if you remember those days, would say, rerouting, rerouting. And I always felt like she was like going, hey, idiot, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way. Now, I always needed that Garmin until I had a better version of the Garmin in my car. Her name was Tina, my wife. Tina's incredible with directions. And she would say, hey, dumb, you're going the wrong way. But then she put her hand on my shoulder and say, yeah, but I love you. Hey, hey, hey guy, you're, you're getting, never going to get us home going the way you think you're supposed to be going, but just know that I'm with you no matter what. And she would kiss me sometimes, which is a really good thing. And I just think that may be how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. I mean, he doesn't just slap us around and say, idiot, you're doing the wrong thing. But it's a little more, hey, I love you, but I need you to go this way. For your sake, for the people your love's sake, and for the kingdom of God's sake. That's why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, to give us power and strength and wisdom and discernment to see things the way we should. And Jesus sums this whole thing up. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. And they were going to need peace. And the only way that they would find peace is that God was with them. And it goes back to that first promise we talked about. Because in this world, you will have trouble. And that's not new news to you because you've already figured that out and so have I. But take heart. I have overcome the world for you. Now remember, he's saying this to us, but he's specifically, directly saying it to his 11 physical followers that were left after Judas betrayed Jesus. And in this moment, it didn't feel like they were winning, but this promise that you know, Jesus would conquer and overcome, they had to be a little bit excited about. All right, Jesus, if you're kicking in with power and authority and God's spirit, you know, we're taking over this place and we're going to be rulers and rich and powerful. And then they drug Jesus away. And then they tried him. And then they convicted him. And then they beat him almost to death. They mocked him. And then they hung him on a criminal's cross. And in that moment, they had all lost heart. They all lost peace. But they didn't know Sunday was coming. And when Jesus emerged a couple days later from that tomb, and then a couple weeks later, God's very spirit, just like Jesus had told them he would, descended upon their lives and filled them with a renewed energy and power and vision and purpose in their lives. They were unstoppable. They were unstoppable as husbands and wives and fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and friends, but they were also unstoppable in leading this brand new thing that was called the church. And we literally stand here today because they pushed through with God's power in their life. And they hold, held on to the promise of Jesus that he loved them and that he and his spirit and his father would be with them always. And now we get forgiveness and eternal life and hope. And this is what I think they realized through all of that, that peace comes not by resolving all the problems of the present. That will never happen. There will always be trials and challenges in this world because there's trouble, just like Jesus said. But it comes by trusting in the promises of his presence. This is not like a positive thinking thing. This is not like looking in the mirror and saying you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. This is not a Jedi mind trick. This is literally that God 
is with us no matter where we go. So here's the choice. We can focus on the problems of the present, and I know you have them. I have them. And maybe for you, you're in the middle of a hurricane of problems. And I'm not pretending they're just going to go away or it's going to get simple or even easier. But you can focus on all the problems of the present, or you can focus on the promise of his presence in your life that literally, if you follow Jesus, he is with you. And do not despair if you don't follow Jesus. The invitation is simply, you could trust him today with your life. You could literally ask him to be the savior of your life and the forgiver of your sins. And he would do that in a moment. Which brings me to the question that, you know, I'm asking more of myself all the time. It's simply this, what would you do if you were absolutely confident in God? What would I do if I woke up every morning and I was confident that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do? And that's love me and be with me through it all. My friends, I'm telling you, that's where I find peace. That's where people find peace. And we find that after we've you know, drank too much, taken all the pills, read all the books, had all the relationships, looked under every rock, it brings me back to God. And he is the place where peace dwells in all circumstances because there's going to be troubles in this world, but he loves you unconditionally. That's a promise. And he has promised to be with you no matter what and be your advocate and love you with a love that you cannot comprehend through all things and someday be with you forever in his kingdom. And the invitation is just come be my child. Surrender your love and your life to me and have confidence in who I say I am. We want nothing more than for you to discover that. I want nothing more for my children to discover that and for me to keep understanding it with everything that I have. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful for these two promises in my life that we are loved and we are not alone that we are loved and you are God with us. I pray for every person that follows you today that they would hang on to the fact that you live and you dwell with them and you love them right where they are. And for every person that's not sure about you in their life, Jesus, that maybe they could just turn their eyes towards heaven and ask you to be a part of their life and surrender their life to you. Thank you for your constant love and grace for us. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.